for leading us and showing us the grace of our mighty God. How God gives to you and I something we do not deserve. And his amazing grace says, I love you so much that I want to offer you salvation. That's amazing grace because none of us deserve it. None of us need, we need it all, but none of us deserve what God did for us on that cross. Thank you, Rhonda. And as she led us asking for the very presence of God in our service, that's what I want. (laughs) I desire nothing else to have God's presence here as we come to worship him. What else would we ever want in this service than God's presence? I can't think of nothing that we need more than his presence because we worship the great I am. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I don't know about you, that music service pumped my chili, to say the least. Psalm 27, we'll be in Psalm 27 today if you'd like to turn there. We were in 37 two weeks ago, so I guess we'll just regress a little bit. The title of the message is Unshakable Confidence. I think we all need unshakable confidence. You know, the world tries to throw a lot of stuff at us, try to bring us down, tries to throw a lot of problems and issues at us, and try to take away our joy and our peace. And as Christians, we cannot allow that to happen. We must have unshakable confidence in our Lord and Savior. Louis Giglio wrote a book a couple years ago. I love that name, Louis Giglio, okay? I mean, that's, I mean that, that's just a lot better than Don Lacey, you know? I mean, it just got a ring to it, Louis Giglio. Oh, man. He wrote a book, and it says, Giants Must Fall, okay? And he went through there and listed uh, many giants that we face and how, as Christians, we can defeat those giants. David would call his issues, his problems, he would call them giants. He would call them uh, enemies. He would call them adversaries. Uh, Whatever name that we want to put on our issues, uh, we have to learn to deal with them. David's enemies, his adversaries, his giants were real to him. And I suggest to you that our giants and our enemies or adversaries are are all real to us. So how do we deal with those kinds of things when they come into our lives? Today we'll be in Psalm 27. And as it, it shows up there, that is a song of hope in the Lord. We know the Psalms are songs. But the 27 one is a song of hope. In our Lord. You know, David is writing this psalm. It's interesting that he's writing this psalm and he's not even king yet. He is king in waiting, I guess you might say. But he is in exile. He's got uh, King Saul and his King Saul's army coming after him, looking for him to seek and destroy his life. Saul did not like him. Saul was. Uh, was an enemy of his. He shouldn't have been, but he was. And Saul was looking for him. And David is taking the time amongst his enemies, if you would, 
to write this song, to write this message to us. And you need to understand, he's writing this not when he's kicked back in his temple and things are hunky-dory and there's peace all around him. He's writing this amongst the turmoil of being hunted down like a dog. So you need to get that context there. So that is our message today. And I hope that's what it is, that, that when life turns on us and we have so much struggle in our life, will we have the unshakable confidence in a holy God? Because where else can you turn to find help in time of need? You know, Psalm 46 says, you know, God, He is, he is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our help in present time of trouble. What a blessing that is. So David knows this and he is going to this. That's where the message is going today. That, that we can have, no matter what's happening in our life, an unshakable confidence. Let's look at Psalm 27 where we're going to start. And I've got, I guess, four points. I mean, most, most of the time, a Baptist preacher is supposed to have three points, but we're going to extend it today. Hopefully I'll get through before 1230. I, that's my plan at least, I hope. <laughs> the first thing that we're going to see here is David's confidence in the Lord. David's confidence in the Lord. First one. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? And as I was looking at that, it just, it just dawned on me. David's in turmoil. And where does he go to find help? He goes to the Lord. He goes to the one who created the heavens and the earth. He goes to the one that controls the wind and the rain. He goes to the one who is almighty. He goes to the one who is all-seeing and all-knowing. He goes to the one that says, there is nothing too big for me. There is nothing impossible for me to do. And when David is in a situation where push comes to shove, where does he go? He goes to the Lord. I don't know. I could stop right there. And that would be a good enough message. Did you know it? When struggle comes, where do you go? You can go to friends, yeah. You can go to family, yeah. But David said, no, buddy. I am going to the Lord. I'm going to go to the Lord to find my refuge and my shelter and my strength. And then he says, the Lord is my light, my salvation, and my defense of my life. When we look at that, as he comes to the Lord, he said, he is my light. God is my light. He is shining a light so I can know the direction to go in my life. He is shining a light so I'll know to where to go and how to get there. You know, God's Word says it. His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That was what, what David is saying. God, I know, no matter where I am, will light my way. And then he said, He is also my salvation. That salvation means He is my deliverer. David said, I, he's going to lighten my way. He's going to deliver me from the enemies and the adversity that I have because I know he is going to do that. And then it says, he is the defense of my life. It says, David said, I know it, that God is going to build a, a fence around my life, a fortified fence, so that when the enemies of my life come, I know that God has got me surrounded, in a sense, by this massive, huge wall that's going to protect me no matter what. And when he says, God is my, my light and my salvation, and I know he's going to defend my life, and he's going to protect my life, 
And then he says what? He says, Whom shall I fear and whom shall I dread if I take my problems and my issues to the Lord? Who am I going to fear? Because the Lord is on my side. Verse 2 and verse 3 says this. David writing. He says, When evildoers come upon me to devour me, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and they fail. Though I host and camp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be comforted. I shall have confidence. What a prayer. You see, David's enemies were guys that had a lot of spears and a lot of weapons. They had weapons of war. See, David's enemies and his giants and his adversaries, they were coming after him. And they had many spears and many javelins and all that kind of stuff that were designed to take his life. Now, we don't have to do those kind of issues today. We don't have somebody with spears and javelins or, or weapons of war that are coming after us, do we? But we have other issues that come about in our life. We have other problems. I mean, sometimes we end up having to deal with, with grief. That's an issue. Sometimes we deal with fear and anxiety. Maybe we have to deal with rejection. Uh, maybe we have an a, a issue of, of depression in our lives. Uh, maybe we have an uncertainty of what's going to happen tomorrow in our lives or, or uncertainty in our country and we don't know and we have this issue, we have this giant that comes up and we're trying to deal with it and where do we go? What do we do? David's evildoers, his enemies were real and I know the problem that you might be facing today, whatever that is, is also real to you. But you see, David had great confidence, didn't he? He had a great confidence that says, I am taking my issue to the Lord. And, and no matter what is happening to me, no matter what's going around in my life, he says what? He says, he says my heart will not fear. And in spite of my grief, in spite of my anger, my, my rejection, in spite of all of my issues that I've got, David say, I, I shall be what? Confident. In the Lord. I shall be confident in the Lord. Romans 8.31 says it this way. If God is for us, who can be against us? Okay? If God's for us, who can be against us? Psalms 20.17 says this. Some will trust in chariots and horses. But I will trust in the name of the Lord when I'm struggling with life in the issues of life. We can trust in all kinds of things if we want to, but David says, I will trust in the name of the Lord. Wow. What a, what a great place to go. Where does that kind of confidence come from? Where does that confidence come from that we can honestly say, in spite of my situation, I have no fear and I am confident that God will deliver me? Where does that come from? Was it just... David able to do that because we know David's a really good guy. David wasn't any different than you and I. Where does that come from? Where do, where do you and I get that kind of confidence? You know, there's a saying in the, in the sports world, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Well, how does that relate to these verses? 
How does that relate to confidence? Where did, where did David's public confidence come from when he spoke that I have confidence in the Lord? Well, I can tell you where David's public confidence came from. It came from a private obedience to the Lord. Now think about that. He is confident as he walks this whole world because he knows God's going to take care of But where did that come from? It came from a private obedience. So what does that mean to us? Private obedience. Where, where does that come from? Where, where can we have that same kind of confidence when life wants to smack us down? Well, here are some suggestions that I've got for you. I believe number one is reading His Word. It's meditating on His Word. It's being obedient to His Word. It's spending time in His Word. And we let God's Word, and I say this over and over, but we let His Word impact our lives. He let, we let His Word change our lives. We let His Word give us a new priority, a new passion, a new purpose. And we just don't read His Word, but we digest His Word. And we think about what His Word says. And man, I've read five chapters today, but I don't remember what any of them said. Why don't we read one or two verses and meditate and think, digest. And as we begin to meditate on His Word and let His Word change us, we can become more confident in the Lord. It's seeing and recognizing God's hand in all situations. You know, we just live our lives and we go, yeah, that happened, yep, that happened, well, that, yeah, that, that happened. And do we ever stop to see God's hand in situations and circumstances in our lives? Man, when we get to the point in our lives that we can see that, that God has a will and, and God's in control and God is moving and that the, God's Word says that everything that happens in your life, believer, God says, I will make it for good. <laughs> I will make it for good. I will take the yuck of your life and I'll make something good out of it. And it's for your good and for my glory. Man, when we start getting to the point in our lives where we can go, man, I see God working in my life. And, and I know what He's going to do. And even though it's not good, He said, I, He's going to make it good for me and great for Him. Man, when we can get to the point in our lives that we can do that, man, we can, we can walk around confident in the Lord that we know that God is our refuge and our salvation. It's knowing that God wants us to spend time with Him in prayer. It's knowing that He wants us to come and worship Him. And as we do that, we spend time in prayer and we spend time in worshiping and, and we allow God to speak to us. Our confidence in Him will grow. Our steadfast confidence will grow. It's understanding. It's understanding the most important part of your life is not what people see. It's what God sees. Now, did you get that? The most important part of your life is not what we all see out of you and me. It's what God sees. You know, the Bible tells us God does not see as man sees. God does not. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. The most important thing is not what we all see out of you and me. It's what God sees in our heart. Because, you see, God knows our motivation. God knows why we're doing that stuff. He knows everything about us. The most important thing is not how I look. It is how God sees my heart. That's the most important thing. And when, God, when we allow God to see our heart, 
Don't you think our confidence will grow because we know God knows us anyway? He knows how we are. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. But God, I'm going to reveal it to you. You take it and let God build you and strengthen you. It's a daily surrender. Your life to His will. If we can ever get to the point in our lives that we're willing to do that, to read His Word, meditate on it, see Him through circumstances, allow Him to change us from within, to spend time with Him, the Bible says we will begin confident in the Lord. But if we don't ever do that, if we don't ever prepare to do that, if we don't ever prepare to be confident, we are preparing not to be confident, if you would. The Bible says, man, put it in the bank. Make that deposit. Make that deposit into your spiritual bank today. Make that deposit into your spiritual bank tomorrow and the next day and the next day because one day, one day, God's Word will tell us that we're going to have to pull out of that spiritual bank because something has got us by the tail and it ain't pretty. And if we've been putting into our spiritual bank if we've been loading that up and making that spiritual bank account get bigger and bigger because we're spending time with Him and we're worshiping Him, when that disaster comes, we are prepared for that disaster because we got it all sitting in the bank ready to be drawn out of there. That is confidence. That is a steadfast confidence. I think the second thing that we see besides this, this confidence that we can have, we see David's commitment to the Lord. David's commitment to the Lord. Verse 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. <laughs> I was reading that. David's in exile. He's got the enemy's barking at his heels. He doesn't pray for divine intervention. He's not praying for more soldiers to come protect him. He's not praying for more bows and arrows. He's not praying for more javelin. He's not praying for protection. This is unbelievable. What is he praying for as, as the world is collapsing down around him? He says, God, I want your presence in my life. He says, I want to be able to one day get back into your temple. I want to be able to get back, God, to be able to worship you, to see the beauty of you, God, to meditate, God, in your, in your holy temple. That's what he's praying for right there. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he, his life is on the line, and all he can do is, is say, God, I just need your presence, and I need to get back to church. That's what he's saying. I need to get back amongst other believers so that I can see the beauty of you, Lord. I can think about the beauty. I can meditate on you, God. I, I, I think for some reason David thought being in a temple was something very special to him. Well, I know he did. Is coming to the Lord's house Sunday morning special to you? That special to you that special to you that when your world is collapsed because of something that's happened and your prayer that day is man I gotta get I gotta get to the house, uh, the Lord's house I gotta get here so I can worship him 
This is a special place. And, and, and why do I, why do I, every Sunday now, I, I, we begin with prayer. Asking God to prepare our hearts and our minds to worship Him. Well, that's why. Because this is a special, special place. It's not special because of the, the gray paint and the sheetrock. The place is special is because we for an hour and ten minutes can come and behold the beauty of the Lord, meditate on Him, and we can seek His presence in our lives. This hour and ten minutes needs to be the best hour that you have all week. Did you know that? Because you're spending time with the Lord and nobody else. David said, that is my commitment. I understand that commitment. He says, when I get to the, when I can go to the temple, in verse 5, he says, inside that temple, you will conceal me, you will hide me, you will lift me up on a rock, my head will be lifted above my enemies. I know it is a safe place where I can come to worship. And then I like what he says here as his world is collapsing around him. He says, I will offer in this tent, this church, this tabernacle, sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. <laughs> you read any of the Psalms. And when David is talking about how difficult life is, he always ends up with this thought. No matter what, I'm going to praise you, Lord. No matter what, God, I will sing praises to you. No matter what, God, I will bless your holy name. Are you getting that? Do you grasp that concept? That his life was as bad as it got, and yet he says, I just, I just want you, God, in my life. And even if so, it is so bad in my life, I've got so many issues in my life. He says, I will sacrifice to you, and I will bless you, and I will sing my heart out, even though my world is collapsing. That is a strong commitment, is it not? But how many times do you and I, I'm, I'm just as bad as, as anybody else, we get wrapped up in our issues and we kind of forget about God until it really gets bad and then we go to Him. Then we go, oh, oh, oh yeah, gosh, I forgot. By the way, God. David said, no, I'm going to take my issues first and foremost to the Lord who is my light and who is my salvation and who is my protector. And I will seek His face. I will seek his holy presence. Verse 7. A third thing that we see is David's cry to the Lord. David is still hiding. David has not received an answer from the Lord yet. David is waiting for God to speak up, if you would. And that's what he's saying in verse 7. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry, be gracious to me and answer me. God, I want you to speak to me here. But David, David knew. David knew what was fixing to happen. David knew that God would answer him. Because you see in Psalm 34, 17, David writes this. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. David knew. Why did David know? Because David had been praying in the past and God had answered. God had been praying Yesterday, and he knew that God would answer him. He, he knew that God would hear the righteous and he would deal with those troubles that the righteous have. That's confidence. 
that confidence and commitment caused him to cry out to the Lord knowing that the Lord would answer him. Pretty good stuff. I like the next verse. Uh, this verse keeps talking to me for some reason. In verse 8 it says, it says this, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Did you know when we pray, there's basically two kinds of prayers. When you just boil them all down, there's just two kinds of prayers. It is a prayer that seeks the hand of God, and there is a prayer that seeks His face. Both of them are good. Both of them are right. Both of them are, are okay. But you see, the hand, the, the prayer that says, I seek your hand, God. I seek your hand. We do this all the time, and God says, it's okay to do, ask for this. But it is asking for God to do something. It is asking God to, to work a miracle. It's asking God to do a blessing. It is asking God to, to extend your hand, God, and fix this, whatever this is. Nothing wrong with that. God wants us to do that. He asks us to pray, to ask, to seek, petition. God, I want you to move here, God, please. That's seeking God's hand. But the second prayer is seeking my face. Seeking my face. You know what seeking my face means? It says, I want your presence in my life. I'm not asking for a miracle. I'm not asking for protection. I'm not asking any for that. All I want, Lord, is your presence in my life. Father, I want your wisdom in my life. I want to know what you know, God. I want to, you to make me a person more like your son, Christ. Father, I just, I just want to seek your face. Father, I just want to seek your presence in my life. I, I want to, when I'm walking around every day at work and doing what I do, I want to understand that you're with me. And Father, I want you to reveal yourself more to me. Oh man, there it is. Father, I want you to reveal yourself to me. You ever ask God to do that? God, would you show me more of who you are? Would you show me to, so I can be more like your son, Christ, in my life? When I, how I act and react? Do you see the difference between the two prayers? David is in exile thinking his life might be over. And when God says, Dave, old buddy, I want you to seek me. Seek my face. Don't seek my hand right now. I, I, I got all that. I want you to seek my presence. I want you to seek me as, as your God and as your Lord and as your Savior. Man, if, I think if we could ever get to that point in our lives where we were more interested in saying, God, I want to seek your face and not seek your hand. He already knows what the hand, <laughs> what the hand's supposed to be doing. He already knows what you need, the hand. Okay? But he wants you to come to him with a humble and a contrite heart that says, seek my face, seek my presence, seek me. You want more of me, he would say, in my life. That was David's cry to the Lord. Verse 10 says this. He says, Even though my father and my mother have forsaken me, but you, Lord, will take me up. You bet. You know, friends can forsake you. Family can abandon you when things get tough. You know, most of the time when something happens in your life, you look around, where are all your friends? <laughs> I mean, y'all been there. 
that's exactly what David is saying. He said, man, I look around and, and even my mom and dad have kind of just booted me out the door. But he says what? Oh, God, you won't abandon me in my darkest hour. When my enemy, my, my giant, my adversary comes and knocks on my door, whatever that is. Father, I know you won't be like all the rest of them folks. You will not abandon me. You will always be there. You will not forsake me. And how many verses in the Bible talk about God says I will never forsake you. I'm not going to go through all those. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says it this way, which kind of sums that up. He said, I will never desert you. That's a promise, believer. Nor will I ever forsake you. So that I can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not be afraid what men shall do to me. What a great promise. Man, if you could just take that promise and just digest that one and say, He never going to abandon me. I got COVID, but he ain't going to abandon me. Isn't that right, Peggy? He never going to He never going to forsake me. And I can confidently say that he will be with me no matter what. Hmm. That's good stuff. Because of David's commitment, because of David's confidence, he knew he could cry to the Lord. And the Lord would hear his cry. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good stuff right there. Pretty good stuff. Psalm 34, 15 says this. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and the ears of the Lord are open and hear the cry of his children. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But you see, he kind of puts a little spot there on the end of that first line. He says, he says that the, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are towards my children. The eyes of the Lord are towards those that have been saved. The eyes of the Lord are those that pursue the Lord. Yeah, we're righteous. When we got saved, we got Jesus' righteousness. We exchanged His righteousness for my sins. Good stuff. But the Bible also tells us we are to pursue righteousness. We are to pursue a lifestyle of righteousness. And He said it is a lifestyle of confession. It is a lifestyle of love. It is a lifestyle of forgiveness. It is a lifestyle that delights in the things of the Lord. And when we have that lifestyle and we are pursuing Him and delighting in Him, we are working and pursuing righteousness. And God's Word says what? The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. I suggest to you, if you want to live a life of sinfulness, a life uh, separated from God, a life that says, I don't need God in my life, a life that I don't care if I'm righteous or not. The Bible says if, if your sins have caused a separation between you and God and has caused Him to turn His face from you so that He will not hear. God longs to hear from the righteous. God longs to hear from His children. And when our ch His children speak... The Bible says, my eyes and my ears hear and are looking towards you in order to help you in your time 
of need. David cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him. Last but not least, four, number four. I thought I'd get here. David's courage in the Lord. David's courage in the Lord. Verse 13. This is pretty good too, 13. He said, you know, he said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Let me read that again. I would have despaired. I would have been despondent. I would have been maxed out unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. His world was collapsing, and yet what? He had a hope for the future. He had a hope and a knowledge that God wanted to bless him. He had a hope and a knowledge that he knew that God would somehow do what God was going to do. And he said he never gave up. See, he could have given up. He could have quit. He could have thrown his hands up. You and I can do the same thing. When we're dealing with grief and, and, and anger and uncertainty and all those kind of giants that come up, it would be so easy to go, I'm done with this. I'm done with the Lord. I'm done with church. I'm done with all this business. But David said what? And I want you to say the same thing. I would have given up unless I could remember the blessings that God has for me. He could see that carrot out there, couldn't he? He could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe where he was, that light was pretty dim. But as he continued to walk with the Lord and have confidence in the Lord and commitment to the Lord, he just knew that one day that light at the end of the tunnel would become a little bigger and a little brighter. Whatever you're dealing with today, keep walking because God is walking with you through that. And just keep walking towards that little bitty light. And the further you walk into that tunnel, the, the brighter that light's going to come, I promise you. And David said, you know what? He said, I'd have given up. But I remember the goodness of my God. I remember how good he is to me. Let me give you some verses that backs all that up. And then I'll be done. Psalms 23.6. It says to remember the goodness of God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David hung on to that when Saul was after him. Psalm 21, 3, anticipate God's goodness. For you, God, will meet me with the blessings of good things. God's going to bless us one day if we are his children. Just remember that. Look forward to his blessing. That blessing could be here today, could be tomorrow, could be for an eternity. But he said, I got blessings for you and I'm willing to give those to you. Psalm 31, 19, receive God's stored up blessing. He has blessing stored up just for you and I. Did you know it? Look at that verse, 31, 19. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have given for those who take refuge in you. He said, I got blessing stored up. I got good stuff just waiting for you, man. Man, if you'll just fear me, have awesome respect for me, if you will run to me, if you allow me to be your refuge and your shelter and your strength, if you will just do, if you will just commit my, your life to me. He said, I got all kinds of stuff stored up waiting on you to bless you with. David knew that. 
And despite his being surrounded, he knew God had something special for him. I tell you today, just like David, no matter what you're dealing with in life, God has some blessings that he's storing up for you that he wants to give to you. When you don't think you could take another step in this whole world, remember, there's blessings that he has stored up waiting on you. Realize God's forever goodness to you. Psalm 52, 52.1 The loving kindness of God endures all day long. When we are surrounded by uncertain times, we can take courage in the Lord, knowing and believing that He has blessings for us. And then in verse 14 in closing, it says, just wait on the Lord. That's not hard to do. Yeah, right. That is hard to do. David said, wait on the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Yeah, wait on the Lord. He's got all these blessings that he wants to give to us. Sometimes we've got to wait. That's the hard part. But wait on the Lord. When grief hits our life, when fear and anger come about in our life, when rejection, some sort of addiction, rears its ugly head, when depression and uncertainty, when cancer or COVID or any other kind of disease that wants to attack us, that threatens our joy and our peace, what can we do? What can we do? Well, we can take great courage knowing that God knows exactly what's going on. We can remain strong in our commitment to Him. We can cry to Him and He hears the cries of the righteous and wants to deliver us from our troubles. And last but not least, He says, Stay courageous knowing that He desires to bless us. And I hope that's been an encouragement to you today as we deal with issues of life and the struggles of life and we all got them where do we go the number one place <laughs> is go to the Lord the creator of the universe who has said nothing is too big for me nothing is too impossible for me as we begin our invitation time you know, I, I don't know I just thought this came to mind it's just amazing God's word he's got so much truth in his word that was written thousands and thousands of years ago and yet it's so prevalent today so perfect today David had his struggles his giants we have our giants and he says this is how we deal with them by going to the Lord and looking at what God's word says and standing on his words as we bow our heads and close our eyes and begin the invitation time I don't know how God spoke to you today but we're so glad that you are here and have come I hope the message has been an encouragement to you. Not an evangelistic message, but I'm just going to ask you to just do business with God. Let God speak to you however He wants to speak to you. Burn this message onto your heart so that you will have it for later if you would. However God has spoken to you, just uh, let God speak and let God move. And um, If you are not a member of this church, we'd love to have you. If you've been never been born again, we'd love to show you how that can happen as I stood next to a casket yesterday I'm always reminded at funerals 
how important it is to be right today when you step into eternity tomorrow. Because at that point, there's no hope. Do business with the Lord, would you please? As a piano plays. Just trust and obey. That's what that song says that she's playing. Trust and obey. Ask the Lord to teach you, to show you what it means to seek His face and not just always His hands. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are here in our, amongst us, God. Father, we thank you for the message. I pray the message will be an encouragement. And Father, whatever you want to accomplish with this message in the lives of your people, God, just so be it. Father, we know that we can go to your word for encouragement, for strength, for courage. Father, help us to want to be a people that seek your hand, yes, but also seek your face, to seek more of you in our lives, to seek your holy presence in our lives as we want and long to draw closer to you, God. Father, we thank you for these that have come. Father, just uh, lift them up. God, just bless them, God, this week and the weeks to come. In your name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen.